Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 748, with Chef Evan Hennessy. Throughout my career, I've met a lot of very brave people to do things that nobody thought that they should do. Not could do, but should do. And uh, and they've been able to step forward and do it. And it takes a ton of bravery um, to do that. And uh, you always look forward. Whether you have a success or a failure, it all builds what you're moving towards, whatever that may be. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Whether you want to accept it or not, more and more guests would rather text instead of speaking over the phone. Well, if you don't believe me, then ask the 9 out of 10 customers who want to text a business or the 80% of customers who want contactless curbside pickup. Here's the kicker. Only half of the businesses in America are text capable. I know it's crazy. So right now, set up a business texting line and immediately get an advantage over your competition. No cost, no contract, no reason not to get started. Head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash podium and get podiums starter version free. That's restaurantunstoppable.com slash podium. What are you doing right now? I'll tell you what you're doing if you're in the market for a new POS. You're headed to toasttab.com slash unstoppable to set up your own demo, and you're going to find out why it's the most recommended POS on the show by a landslide. Guys, if you use my link, not only will you get the incentives that Toast is offering you by using the link I'll also share my commission with you. I'll split my commission with you 50-50 after taxes. That's about $2,000. So I'll send you a check for $1,000 to say thank you and to help support you during these weird times. Again, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. What is going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today. I'm talking to Chef Evan Hennessy. This is the second time I had Chef Hennessy on the show. He was episode eight. That's right. Episode eight. Uh, that's how far back we're going into the archive, reconnecting with my past guests. And um, really, when I first had Chef on the show, the the show was an entirely different show. So we're taking uh, an approach with this show. So you can go back and listen to the first episode. I'll warn you my early episodes. I've come a long way. I still have a long way to go, but I will say I have come a long way. So just be ready for that. Chef and chef Hennessy was a great interview uh, back way back in episode eight, but today we have him back on the show. And if you're not familiar with chef Hennessy, he is an award-winning chef uh, and native of Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, he graduated from Le Cordon Bleu at the Atlantic Culinary Academy in 2001. Then he would go on and spend the next 13 years traveling across the nation and uh, taking jobs, moving up the ladder within the Northeast, uh, the Portsmouth area specifically. He's worked for chefs like Grant Ackett, uh, Chef Thomas Keller. Uh, I think we also have Chef Ken Oranger in in his ar- arsenal of people. Charlie Palmer or some of the just just a few of the people he's gotten to work for to get that experience to, to one day open his own place, which he is the owner of today. Stages at One Washington in Dover. New Hampshire, uh, doing prefix meals and uh, only open twice a week, right? Uh, so what I love about Chef's story is that he he really reverse engineered uh, 
the restaurant around what he wants in his life. And he, he had that vision of what he wanted in his life. And he, rever- he reverse engineered his restaurant to serve uh, his needs, uh, his desires, the, the the life he wanted to build for himself. And I think it's really great how we went about doing it. We get into that in today's episode. So with no further ado, here it is, Chef Evan Hennessy. I hope you enjoy it. And with excitement, allow me to welcome back on the show for a second time, Chef Evan Hennessy. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable? I'm feeling today? unstoppable today, man. What's happening? Dude, I'm feeling unstoppable <laughs> today. Uh, you're episode nine. Um, actually, you were episode eight, and I said episode nine in the intro. Yeah. But for those listening today, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 8008 if you want to listen to the original recording with Chef Evan Hennessy. Uh, warning you, it was some of my earlier stuff. I've come a long <laughs> way. Chef, he- Chef Evan is incredible in that episode, which is why I'm back today, because I just want to reconnect with past guests, people who were incredible in my, during my come up when I was just putting out my earliest episodes. You're absolutely one of those people. Uh, so just a quick intro of who you are. Le Cordon Bleu graduate, uh, Le Cordon Bleu Atlantic Culinary Academy. Yep graduate uh you've traveled around the country i always want to say areola when i say this <laughs> i know that's not right it's Ariel. Not yeah ariel <laughs> ariel thank Ariel. you very much you've worked with charlie palmer you've worked with uh grant eight ackett's uh trio you worked with ken oranger at cleo you worked at cafe balloon you've i mean thomas keller per se so many incredible people i'm sure i'm missing a few of those uh but I cannot wait to kind of pull back the layers on your come up. We didn't really, when I first started the podcast, it was more just kind of like short questions and answers. Yeah. Uh, now we're really going to pull back the layers, focus on your come up, uh, the, the challenges you face opening your, your restaurant stages here in Dover, New Hampshire. I cannot wait to dive into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? I always think, man, is like, be humble, but be brave and be always humble, look forward. Be brave and always look forward. Why that? Why, why does that resonate with you? Uh, throughout my career, I've met a lot of very brave people to do things that nobody thought that they should do, not yeah. could do, but should do. Mm. And, uh, and they've been able to step forward and do it. And it takes a ton of bravery, um, to do that. And, uh, you always look forward it, whether you have a success or a failure, it all builds what you're moving towards, whatever that may be. Where do you find your bravery when you're going, uh, to like take your, your business, your life to the next level? Like where, how do you reach in to, to grab that bravery? Like what's that look like that internal, that, that, that's a battle. deep one. And you have to. It's it's a bigger answer because you really have to dig deep into a huge vulnerability. Like you mm. have to be able to be totally fine with putting yourself out there, yeah, and and looking into something and then questioning it and then constantly questioning it and then things like you know yeah I believe in it and I'm going to go with it and I'm going to try it and I'm going to try it and I'm going to try it and if I fail cares yeah, it's, it's you know you still work great way to get this thing started and i love this idea it's it's weird because you think the word vulnerability yeah. right you think weak um no vulnerable strong, <laughs> yeah. very strong but it's so crazy it's yeah. ironic that you're your strongest in your most vulnerable moment 100 why is that you can't be more honest unless yeah. you are unless you are the most vulnerable with yourself and with the people around you when you let your your shield down and your guard down and you allow that to happen then you feel the most honest you feel the best you can be and the people that will believe in you are the ones that are still standing there dude i love this and um when, when did you figure out vulnerability? I don't want to get too far into it now, but like, let's put a marker on this so when we get to it chronologically in your story, we can pull back some layers. Like, yeah. what, how, how long did it take you to realize that the, you're your strongest in your most vulnerable moments? I would say closing in on like 
close to 40 years. I just turned 44. Okay. So <laughs> it takes so a lifetime just, to figure out. It's one of those, so you, you just know, figured it out recently. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, is, it, it takes a long time. And I always think is that everybody's a work in progress and you're always, you're always working on so it. So 40 you know? years ago was around the first time I had, actually it was, long, oh, 40, it was longer. 40, 40 years. 40, 40, 40. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying it takes a lifetime but to figure it out. But you're 44 now. 44 now. And you just fixed. So maybe we'll, we'll save Eventually part of this. I'll grow up. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, let, let's talk about the come up though. Yeah. Um, when did it start? Where, where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's all different parts because it, it's all it's all about what got me here. You know, there isn't a part of my you know sort of career or things that I've done that hasn't um, had some sort of influence or motivation behind where I'm standing right now and that you and I are having this conversation. Um, I don't know. I mean, we can go back as far as you want to. You know. Yeah. Well, when did you know? that this was going to be your life. It sounds like you kind of had an early inclining because yeah. you went to culinary school. I feel like Did. people that go to culinary school kind of know early on that this is the path they want to take and you stuck with it, which is not everybody can say that. You yeah. stuck with it. Uh, so when did you know that this is like where you're going to invest your career, your, your education in your career? So I think we'll, we'll go back just like a little bit before this. So I originally, when I was in high school and everything, like I wanted to be an animator for Disney. Okay. I wanted to draw. And, um, and that's everything that I did in, uh, even when I was in high school, I took every art class. I went down to Northeastern university and did cartooning classes and went to mass art and did stuff. And, um, then I went to the university of Kentucky for fine arts and drawing. That was my, my major. Um, after roughly two years, uh, I did not succeed well in all my, in any other class, but art. And they asked me not to return. Okay. So <laughs> it's the long form version of, I yeah. failed out, um, so at that point, I, I needed to get a job, and that was the the time when newspapers were still a little more relevant with job time searching. Time for me. Not yeah. to date you too much. No, no, no. It's good. So I graduated high school in 1994. Okay. So this will be 1996. Okay. Roughly, 96, 97. Um, and so I found a job as a uh, prep cook and dishwasher at Newick's Seafood Restaurant yeah. in, in, uh, in Dover here. Um, and that's honestly like, you know, you're scrubbing chowder. You're going back and forth between scrubbing chowder pots, working a dish line and learning to fillet fish. That's a humble beginning. Right <laughs> so I did that for a while. And when I was standing in the, in the prep kitchen, it's just a completely open kitchen. You can see the guys on the line. And those guys were rock stars to okay. go back and to go back a little bit with the Anthony Bourdain. idea. Yeah. you know, just, those are the guys you want to be. You know, you're like, I want to be that dude. This time you're 20 years old. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You one of the boys. Ba- barely know? touching 20. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, you just want to be that guy down yeah. there, you know. Um, and so that, that's what I did. And it wasn't about, you know, trying to be the cool guy that kind of came along with it. I guess you can say that I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be the top of the top. I wanted to see how good at that I could get. And in a very quick, um, progression, I worked right through, right through the prep, uh, prep area, right up the line, right into the thing, right, right to the top of the kitchen. And a buddy of mine who was there, um, how long did it take you to do that? Less than a year. Okay. Um, and then from there, buddy said, hey, you should come over and work at this place. And it was Daniel's Bar and Grill, also in Dover. And same thing, you know, small little kitchen, but things were made, you know, from scratch and um, not classically French by any, any imagination. But, you know, we used our hands. Yeah. And, um, you know, same thing. You just kind of work your way. You learn, you learn, you learn. You, and we got to do specials. That was kind of the first time I got to do that. Nice. Which is the first time you really get to explore and experiment a little bit. And of course, at that point, you know, you're taking a combination of stuff you remember eating as a kid uh, and also things out of your favorite chef's cookbook. Okay. And trying to like smush them together a little bit. You know, you're trying to do like fancy chili or (laughs) something like that, you know. Uh, 
<clears throat> but yeah, I mean, you just got to go see so from there. Then I went to the Olive Garden um, and I was there for three years. Same thing. Okay. I went from. So at this point, you must be close to pushing 23, 24 years I old. I was almost 24. I was about 23 years old. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so now we're at like 20 years ago. Now we're in the early 2000s. Yeah. So what happened where you said, okay, I need to go to school for this? You went to school first and then you started traveling around the country. Correct. Yeah. And the, the reason I did this is because I wanted to make it a career. I made a definitive choice when I was at the Olive Garden. I was like, I, I was like this, there's one of two paths. Mm. You can either go the, you know, the Olive Garden, Darden corporate route and you can become that guy with a lot the of tie security on. in that path. A lot of security, yeah. correct. But at the age of 23, you could care less about security. You're thinking about, like, I, I want to go on the adventure. Yeah. At least I was. Um, and so I decided that school was a good way to do that because I wanted a foundation. Because when I wanted, went out into the real restaurant world, not the corporate restaurant world, um, that I wanted to make sure that I knew how to cook, I actually knew how to cook, mm. not just say it. And so that I went to the, uh, to the Claude on Blue. And the same thing. I just, uh, you know, nose down and worked as hard as I could, learned as, as, as much as I could. And, uh, you know, was tutored by a lot of great chefs there. Was there somebody awesome. who was coaching you or steering you, kind of guiding you, suggesting things to you along your way? Or, like, up to this point, is there anybody who's, uh, I like to say, behind every great person yeah. is a great, or sorry, behind every great restaurant is a great person. Yeah. And then behind every bond every great person is usually another great person yeah. who influenced you or, or imprinted on you. So it was up to this point. Do you have somebody like that or did that come later? I think it's more so it's looking at my family, my mm-hmm. brother, my sister, my mother, my father, looking at like what they've done. And we collectively as a family and going back into both my mother's and father's side, it's like we're hard workers. You know, we're not egotistical people. We're, we're just, you know, mouth closed, nose down and work hard. Mm. And we love to get to the top of whatever we are, not because we want to be the best at things, but because we know that that's the best experiences mm. is when you've gone all the way from the bottom to the top. You've now seen it. You've been there. You've done it. You feel the whole thing. And you now are that project. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what I wanted to get to. That reminds me of a really great piece of advice that's happened, that's come up multiple times in the show, this idea of when you build something from scratch, when you go through all the roles, when you wear every hat, yeah. you need to know how every job in your business is done. 100%. So when... You can't be too dependent on one person. No. You can't start from like and just start bringing people in and completely be dependent on that person because if they leave for whatever reason, right. you're screwed. So right. being able to do every job, going through the ranks and knowing how to do everything yourself, no, all of it, so powerful. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was a great thing, and um, yeah, I mean, I did the same thing with school. I graduated top of my class, and then uh, you know, sort of. Flash I was curious about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I was like one of the top five in my class. Do you think you would have done it as well, say, if you didn't go to art school? And you went straight to culinary school? Definitely not. Why not? I think that I needed to mature mm. um, a little bit. And I think that that's kind of a thing that, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm just kind of generalizing right now. But a lot of kids, like when you get out of high school, you don't have the mature drive to know how to get something. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's a huge thing. You're told like you finish school, you go to college, this is what you do. Yeah. And But from there, you kind of lack this outside world maturity as to how to actually achieve. Yeah. Not not just fill out paperwork and get a good test score because I did did have those kids in school that they could ace tests but they couldn't cook their way out of a paper bag. Yeah, you know. But you need you need to know you need to know it. Yeah, I think not only I think you mentioned uh, you need that maturity to to know how to go get it, but also that clarity in what you want. Yeah, which I don't think you know what you want when you're 18 years old. Very few people do. Yeah, yeah. And even at 24, I think it's it's still a little rocky. You got lucky. At yeah, because you you figured it out young. Yeah. Um, but also, you, what what how what things did you leverage from your education that you would you would have otherwise otherwise not leveraged if you were younger? I think I, I think especially with like schoolwork, 
you know, that you, you realize like when you're going through school and you're younger, again, at least for me, is that you're doing the bookwork for the sake of the bookwork, not for your own education. And what you realize is that as you get a little older and you mature, you realize how to use the knowledge. And then you start learning how to move the knowledge so mm. that it, it works for you and you understand it. And that's one of the biggest things that, that school is taught in a certain way. But not every student is that way. So you have to figure out how to take that knowledge and take all the information and make it make sense to you. And yes. it's a ton of stuff. Yes. Right? And it's not going to make sense the same way for two people. Not you at know all. what I'm saying? And like, I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned on the show. Yeah. And something that was a really stressful for me, even like I, I remember saying this to Jared uh, when we were in Thailand. Yeah. I, and where I'm starting, this is going back like two years almost, where I'm like, I need to pick a direction. I need to... A, the, the, to start sharing what I know to be true. And the only thing I know to be true is that there is no one way to do anything. And no. there's like a million of pieces of advice that, are, that contradict each other all yeah. the time. But you got to know, and I love this, that what you said is you got to n- know how to move your, the work, right. you know, and manipulate the different ways to do things and, and, and know yourself. Yep. Right. Do you want to compound on what I'm sharing? Yeah, definitely. When I was in school in, in Kentucky, um, so I've succeeded, succeeded in, for most like two things in school and it was art and it was math. They don't usually go together, but oddly enough, I was really good at that. So, um, when I was in, in college that I took calculus because I thought it was fun. Yeah. And, um, when I was in, in the, in the class, the, the professor put a, a problem up on the board and he was describing, you know, how to do it. We were going through the, the methods of it and I raised my hand and he thought that I had a question about like, I was confused or something. And, I, and my question was, but can't I do it this way? And I went up to the board and redid the entire problem in a whole other way. And boom. Yeah. All of a sudden he's like, yeah, no, you can do that. And so what it takes is like something that is, that was so definitive. Like it had to be this way. All of a sudden you can look at it slightly differently and it worked. Perspective. Perspective. Right? Yeah. It's huge. Um, I'm loving this man. Uh, we have a lot of career we have to cover. So I feel like <laughs> we got to start talking about yeah, it too. after you graduated. Um, where are you after you graduate? What's going through your mind? Like, what's your intentionality at this point? So I definitely, I have a keenness for uh, high-end and fine dining. You know, I, I looked at the, the books of like Charlie Trotter and things like that. And I wanted to get into, you know, adventurous cre- creative cuisine. And so I found when a lot of, when we were graduating, going off on internships and things like that, that uh, a lot of kids, they want to go on cruise ships and, you know, do that. You know, I think it's like, I wanted a, a, a place that I could get a job at. And so I went to 43 degrees north in Portsmouth, no longer there. Um, but was supposed to be one of the most creative high-end restaurants in this area. And uh, so I went there, started as I was their intern, and a year and a half later, I was their, their chef. Wow. And, um, and it this was, was right after culinary school. This is right after yeah. culinary school. So okay. I was 24 years old, and I was given my first chef job. Jesus, man. What was that like? I don't know is the best or the better way to look back on it. And, no, but you know. this is so valuable because think about how many people are out there who are 24 years old, who have the drive, who yeah. have the skill, who have – the the desire but have the, don't have the experience yet that, that, that was a big thing yeah but was the experience being put into these leadership roles yeah. with no leadership experience so reflecting back at the person you were then the man you were then 24 years old yeah. what makes you giggle what makes you laugh at what you did and how you did it knowing what you know now <laughs> i definitely was talking about you know learning on the spot you know a lot of stuff luckily the owner of the the restaurant who is sort of i guess more or less the the, the chef owner, um, Gino, that he had, you know, good experience and I was able to ask him anything at any given point and, mm-hmm. you know, lean on him when I wasn't sure about how to do something. So, so that was good. And then even when I was the sous chef, I would just, you know, you just, you constantly have your eyes and ears open. You're just watching and learning and watching and learning. And the advantage of being those roles versus the chef is that you can take a look at other people's choices and decisions and think of like, well, what would I have done? Do I agree with that choice? 
And then because you don't have to actually make the choice, you can play both sides of that fence. Yeah. You know, so but then, uh, you know, as you become that role. I think I succeeded there because I had the creativity, the like the fire, the drive. But then I'm also a people person. I'm very easy to you know to to work with, um, and so it was easy for me to sculpt and and run a team. Yeah. So therefore, you know, we as a team, as a restaurant, as a kitchen, moved successfully. Okay. So you had a, a successful first go, but yeah. what about any of the less successful? moments that you reflect at that you reflect on you just were green you would have known yeah. otherwise anything like that come to mind yeah I, your I, less I, proud moments <laughs> uh I, it's hard to say like less proud i mean we definitely had you know dishes that didn't go over well and yeah. you're like oh crap that didn't that what didn't about happen. like leadership or management or decision making yeah uh, the way you handled a bad situation um i just trying to it's trying to think back, back into the into those days and um there's nothing that kind of sparks my mind. It was more so I think that I realized that after I'd been there for like a while, I was there for for three years Yeah, and I realized that it wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. And so I left, Mm. I left a chef job to be, to be a sous chef. Where did you want to go at this time? Uh, I wanted, well, I originally, I had the goal. I wanted to open a restaurant, but I knew that the path that I was on was not going to get me there because I had already, I literally like jumped to the top Mm. and, and I value the, the work ladder. And I realized that I went too far too fast. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had to backtrack. I had no idea how to open a restaurant. I had no idea how to be a successful sous chef. Yes. I just knew how to be creative. Yes. I love that, man. Uh, so I love that. That you, I mean, it, you sometimes I'm sure you had to take a pay cut to go get this other experience. Yeah. But you yeah. got to look at your, your network, the, the knowledge you're going to be taking on the, yeah. the being able to tie your personal brand with all these other successful names, yeah. all that, like you might be taking a 50 cent or a $2 pay cut an hour to go from, I don't know, maybe it's more than that, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you got to take those, those steps down yeah. to, to get to, to like get, go way further. Right? I, I think in my opinion, it wasn't necessarily. So if you look at it, like the chain of command, yes, it was technically a step down, but in my, in my mind it wasn't because it was a gain of, ex- of experience that I would not have had yeah. where I was. Yeah, so in my mind, it was actually a step up. I think that's another you know, uh, hint of your, your maturity at this level. Yeah. Things you wouldn't recognize if you were at that same place at, say, 19 years old. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, you think it's like you're handed a chef role. You know, and I've seen and know you know, uh, folks that are, that are younger, and they're given these roles, and they're like, you know, yeah, that's great. And it, it's, they just think that they're you know, the, the top of the world, and they're yeah. the best chef out there. It's yeah. like... And you have no idea where you are right now. Right. You know, I want to spend the majority of our conversation talking about your return to the Northeast, yeah. uh, maybe before opening the process of opening stages yeah. and what you've learned and what, what's happened since we've last had you on the show. Um, but we, we can't just skip over your, your come up, the, the places, the people you've worked with. So reflecting back, um, <clears throat> I mean, like some of the names, Charlie Palmer, uh, Grant Ackett's, uh, Andrew Car- Carmelini. Carmelini. Car- Carmelini, thank yeah. you very much. Uh, Ken Oranger, Thomas Rice, uh, Thomas Keller, Eli, uh, say his last name. Kaime. Kaime, thank you very much. I mean, these are some incredible chefs that you've had the chance to go learn from. Yeah. Um, any one of these experiences stand out in your mind as far as how you grew, not just as a chef, but as a professional, as somebody who's going to be opening their own place someday, as a restaurateur? Yeah. 100%. Um, and, and I can jump to that without without pause is uh is trio with grant okay. Atkins. yeah that was by far and away one of my best experiences ever um and what i learned other than cooking there is the the idea of family mm. the idea of inclusion the idea of everybody moves together um and the idea that everybody matters mm. and we're all on even playing field 
um, I remember that after service, it's in a it's in a small hotel, and uh, on opposite side, like the the back kitchen door, was the library of the of the the hotel. And so after service, we'd all sit there with our notebooks, and Chef would throw out kind of idea. He's like, "I'm thinking of, I don't know, peanut butter jelly sandwich, something like that." And then um, and from there, every literally everybody just starts kind of brainstorming. What about this? What if we made it with this? What if we created this out of this and let, you know, layer to here. And it literally like dishes are created by that. It wasn't the chef said, I have a dish and this is what we're going to do. And it meant that everybody's opinion mattered. And me being the new guy, you know, with this, this guy who, who Grant, he was on his way out too. He hadn't hit a linea yet. You know, he was not too far out of uh, uh, the winery and also out of the, the, the French laundry. So he's still trying to make a name for himself. Um, you know, that, that he, that I literally, I go to like school, I put my hand, I'm actually doing it right now. You know, <laughs> we have <video>. I, put, <laughs> I put my hand up, you know, that I had an idea and I just kind of very sheepishly offered an idea and he just, you know, whipped his head around, not in surprise, but like, no, it's a great idea. And then he literally just turned around and like, next time he's like, what do you think if we did that? And it like, he looked at me as in like, it was a proper line of, that's awesome. Now, now let's move from there. Yeah. Not like, no, it wasn't the. Why are you talking? Yeah, I love that, man. I love it. What you're describing right now, and it's crazy that you're describing this right now, is anarchy. Yeah. And people don't think of anarchy as a good thing generally when they hear the word anarchy. But right. what anarchy is is just leaning into human nature yeah. and realizing that, that that hierarchy doesn't really serve a lot of people. only serves those at top. Correct. And knowing that everybody is special. Everybody has something to add. Everybody has their own unique genius. Yep. And you have to tap into that. But you have to open those channels of communication. You have to. And let people know that they can contribute. That's yep. up to you, the leader, to let that know, that, 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 to let that be known that this is the culture. Right. That you do have a voice. You can contribute. It's so powerful. Big time. And we said, like, when you're in the brigade of the kitchen, it's like, yes, you know, hierarchy does matter because things need to be done efficiently. Mm-hmm. And you can't have 16 voices talking at once. You need one Dude, guy, right? This, I love it. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes after that and we can all sit down and relax and just let our, you know, our brains go, then everybody can talk at one time. Mm-hmm. And then that actually it's, it's, it's organized chaos. You Dude, know, it just, you're it making me Music. so happy right now because <laughs> exactly what we were talking about earlier, you hear all these pieces of advice and that you learn that everything's true. Yeah. Like we just talked about like, earlier how I mentioned that the, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything because there's no one way to do anything. Correct. You're, it's, it's all situational and it's, you got to make the work, you got to move the work. You got to yeah. figure out when to apply certain pieces of knowledge no. in certain scenarios. Cause they don't, some knowledge doesn't work in all scenarios. No, no. You and, know? It, and with that experience that I always learned is like, it wasn't always like the chef is right. It was, you know, he writes it on the menu. Sure. But if, you know, somebody down the line says, Hey, what if we did it this way? He literally is going to flip around. And he's like, excellent. We do it that way yeah. now. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's now the method up until somebody improves on that idea. What else did you learn from Grant? He, it was just, I think family is such the biggest, biggest thing with that, you yeah. know, that he had to leave. There's another sort of, I had two stories, two big stories. Well, the library one is one, but another one that, um, I was downstairs, uh, cleaning, uh, shellfish yeah. and, um, he had to leave. One of his boys was, was not feeling well. And so he literally, again, I'm new guy. He comes downstairs finally. I didn't even know that he knew my name. Um, and he comes downstairs, puts his, puts his arm around me and he, and he's like, he's, and he says, Chef, I just want to let you know that I need to take off one of my boys isn't feeling so well, but I just want to make sure you, you have everything you need today and you're 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 learning what you what you what you came here to learn. Yes. And if there's anything else, Chef David's upstairs. Um let, let, let me know, but I'll see you tomorrow morning. What did he communicate to you in that moment? That that I meant. Yeah. That, that I was supposed to be there. Yeah. And that I wasn't just, you know, the, the 
the guy cleaning shellfish that mm-hmm. I was a team member. Yeah. And knowing that, like you have, I think it's so important that as a chef, you realize, you have to recognize that you, that these people, especially somebody like yourself, who's straight out of culinary school, who's traveling to Chicago, you're there to learn. Yeah. You're taking the job to learn. Yeah. And they ha- you have to recognize that you have an obligation to these people that come to work for you beyond the paycheck. Right. They, you know, they're com- you, we, we owe it to the people that come to work for us to make them better, to give them knowledge, to, to, to go on and beyond what we can provide for them. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. He, he was definitely looking bigger picture. Yeah. Not, not just getting the dish on the plate. You know, he was definitely looking bigger picture as far as, um, you know, the team as a whole, the restaurant as a whole. Um, and you know, and, and me as an individual for, for succeeding, you know? Yeah. So when I left there that I was able to grow and that yeah. I was able to pay that forward. Mm-hmm. So this is, what year is this? You're 24, you're 24, 25 years old at this point. This was like 2003. 2003. Okay. And how long were you on the road traveling before you came back to New Hampshire? So it was a bit of back and forth. And the reason being is that when I was 20 years old, um, I didn't personally, but I have, I have an older son who's now 23 years old. Okay. So, so I had, I had uh, a son uh, here in New Hampshire that is like, I can't just, leave yeah you know um and so he was you know stayed with his mother we we were never married or anything but he uh stayed there but obviously i have an obligation to i'm his dad you know i'm not not leaving or anything like that so but i i was lucky enough to figure out the way to go off and get these experiences and then come back and then go get more experiences and then come back okay what did that look like because i know there's got to be somebody listening to us right now who's like i would love to to be able to travel and to work for these incredible chefs but yeah. i have i have liabilities i have responsibilities i'm yeah. a man i'm a father you right know? right right it's i wish i had the this is how you do it answer but it really is you gotta you have to be honest with what you are looking for and what you can provide and then to be able to set up a plan you know, like I'm going to go out. I would really like to do this because I know long term it will advance my career and help me and help my son and, and my daughter. Or exactly. Whatever. You know, but then I'll be back and we will we will move forward again. And then I'd like to continue this. And I would like to do this for sort of this chunk of my life, knowing that you can't continue to do this forever and ever. Yeah. Um, but if you're able to figure out how to do it for, you know, we'll call it a phase, a chunk of your life, um, then it's highly valuable. And hopefully that you are working with somebody um as far you know the the mother or father or whatever that can help you with that okay i love that uh, so it's just it sounds like just communication and intentionality yeah yeah i love yeah. it and um, definitely wasn't the, always the easiest thing i don't want to make it sound like it's no. like a seamless adventure yeah, you know I, this for is for sure but it's um but we I mean there, we, we've only touched on right now up to this point uh grant Ackets. Yeah. i'm always afraid to say his name wrong Ackets. Ackets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um so any other big moments business moments things you said you, you, you alluded earlier that you know you've worked in restaurants but you've never opened restaurants right. did, you get, did you get the privilege of being able to open restaurants while you're on the road so, yeah so i did so flashback to 43 north and the reason why i left there is because i wanted to open a restaurant yeah and um local restauranter here jay mcsheary uh got in touch with me and said, I'm opening a restaurant and I'd love to be, love for you to be on the team. And he wasn't looking at me for the chef. Cause you know, the 20 something year old and, and I thought I was like, Oh yeah, of course he wants me to be, be the chef. You know, I'm like the coolest thing around here right now. Um, but he's like, no, I wanted, he wanted me to be the sous chef. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. Um, but then I realized that that's what it was. I was going to get the chance. And then he showed me the place and the building literally was like, you know, sticks and rocks. It yeah. was like being built. Is this the Dunaway? It was the Dunaway. Okay. Yeah. And so that it was being turned from like the old gift store into a restaurant. And this is at Strawberry Bank. Strawberry right? Bank. So yeah. for listeners who aren't familiar with Portsmouth, Strawberry Bank is like this old 
historical, like as it was 200, 300 years ago. Yep. Uh, and there was a, a, a restaurant built on that property, Strawberry Bank, called Dunaway. Called the Dunaway. Which was what, an old barn or something at one point? Or what was the story behind yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It, it it's, it's got a lot of history other than the fact that people lived in it. And eventually the more modern thing was that it was their gift shop yeah. um, that they used. And, and so to flip it from a restaurant, they basically gutted the entire place, still maintaining the historical structural integrity of okay. the building. I did not know that was a Jay McSherry operation. Yep. Um, so what, what do you think Jay was doing in that moment? He knew you had the talent, but maybe he wasn't sure about your leadership yet? Or your... That's exactly okay. it. He, he, he basically said to me what I had thought, but was kind of afraid to say to myself, okay. you're good. You have talent. You have creativity. You don't have the experience. Okay. Um, did you get it in that, in that time? Very humbly, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what made it so humble? Uh, it was the first time somebody like you know, kind of more or less put me in my place professionally yeah, yeah. and not in any mean way, but just recognize like what, what I've done and what I'm capable of and where I stand and put me t- into an applicable position. Not like, you know, you're this hot young chef. We should get you in here because we're, you're going to make this cool restaurant. I was like, yeah. no, no, no. This is a business. This is what you know how to do. This is where you're going to be. Okay. And how did you grow during this time? Uh, I, well, God, I mean, I learned, you know, for the first few weeks, like we're painting stuff and building things and putting together equipment plans and, you know, so you learn all of those things. And then, um, you know, eventually like you're getting into opening. And so you're prepping and stuff like that until three in the morning, coming back at six in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, so you learn of a lot of kind of what it takes to create a restaurant, not to open a restaurant, but to create a restaurant. I think that there's a difference in that. Yeah. What's the difference? Uh, opening a restaurant is going into a space that was already kind of there and flipping it to your concept. Creating a restaurant is taking something that never was a restaurant, yeah. building it into what you want it to be, mm. and then opening it. I feel like you, you got the opportunity to do that again with stages. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but yeah. this this space we're sitting on right yeah. now, we're on the third floor of an old uh, manufacturing or uh, yeah. mill building, yep. essentially. Never probably intended to be a restaurant, so you probably <laughs> got to go through that creating the space twice, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to save that story for later, yep. um, but how long were you at the Dunaway? I was there for, that was also like close to three or four years. And when did you come back to the Northeast? Um, oh, some of these time years. It was, it was a lot of back and forth. So all the stuff that I did with like New York and all in and, and Chicago, that was all before the Dunaway. That was okay. like, I left 43 North to go do that. Okay. And they came back to 43 and then left okay. to go to the Dunaway. I got you. So you were with Grant Ackett's and then you came back to the Northeast, worked at the Dunaway and then yep. left again to go get more experience. Correct. Okay. At that point, I had not... So what I had done was Ariel, uh, I had done Ariel, Cafe Baloo, and, um, oh, and Trio. Was this, this was after working at the Dunaway? This is before, before the Dunaway. And before then, the Dunaway. Yeah, and then after the Dunaway, I did uh, Per Se and Teresi. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't, there's so many great restaurateurs you had the, and operations you had the, uh, um, I mean, we talked about Grant a little bit, but any other areas or times uh pivotal moments in your career times you learned a lot about yourself and the direction you want to take your career that we're skipping over i don't want to pass any key moments in your career yeah um i, I think i mean that my, my experience with the grant was was huge it, it, i think that gave me you go, go back to you know words that we used before it gave me the the bravery to to do something like that yeah and it gave me the um uh, yeah i guess the, the ability to, to to not be afraid to to try yeah it. and it, you looking at what trio was, it was just so different from what any other restaurant out there was. Yeah. And it, it kind of gave me the idea is like, 
it's fine to come up with an idea that somebody hasn't thought of yet and go with it. And you're instantly going to be the best at whatever that is because it hasn't been done. Because you haven't been done yet. (laughs) You're going to be the Um, best of the world. I'm curious. Were were you there around the time that Nick Kakonis or Kakonis? Kakonis. Yeah. Um, came in and started talking were you were you witnessing that that back and forth or was this after no 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 that, that was after uh henry Adignana was was the uh, owner of trio right. and yeah the way that the thing happened with nick is that at some point he just came in for dinner and they just yeah kept i actually have had dinner. nick on the show oh cool yeah i'm actually talking to nick today oh, right on. remotely yeah uh, in a few hours so it's just really kind of ironic that we're talking about yeah that now which is just interesting that's awesome um i've never met him he's <laughs> he's a he's smart dude yeah great guy um okay so moving from away from Grant um, and um, Trio, mm-hmm. um, any other key mentors' experiences before we come back to kind of talk about your experience at the Dunaway? No, I, I think I think he he was a bit, really the like a, a big one for me, and yeah, the rest of it is just rightly so. You just kind of you you learn from all the people around you. Yeah, you know nobody really in specific. Yeah, that I would think. I feel like too. I feel like a lot of these other restaurants that you got the chance to work at Cafe Balloud, Tom uh, Per Se, you probably weren't shoulder to shoulder with these. The people no. that at this point that's correct they've no, no, de- yeah. delegated yeah you know yeah. um so uh back to jay mcsherry is somebody i would love to learn more about mm-hmm. he is on my radar he's been on my radar i'd love to know what it, from your perspective working in one of his restaurants what what does he do and the reason why i'm bringing him up just to add some um context for the listeners yeah he started with jumping jays yeah. uh he's got dos amigos which a lot not a lot of people know multiple locations yeah. i think too um he opened moxie franklin oyster house uh vita cantina i believe he's mm-hmm. part of yep. uh the dunaway yep. like and he, but he's in the shadows man you never yeah. know he's behind and i didn't even know he was a part of the dunaway yeah so from your perspective, being able to work with a, a, a restaurateur like Jay McSherry, um, who's so off the radar, he's so good at it. Yeah. Um, what did you, how does he run his businesses and what have you learned from, from your perspectives? So he, I mean, he's an excellent businessman. Yeah. He, he really is. And he stays in the spots that, that he needs to be because, well, he's got people to do the other things. He doesn't want to jump in. Everybody kind of has their role, almost a Bill yeah. Belichick thing. Yeah. like Everybody has their role. And if if something happens where, I mean, he's not afraid to step in and, and do, you know, make changes or, or, or whatever it is, but, um, he won't until it needs to be done. I mean, he, he, he can sort of forecast and whatnot, um, obviously, but, uh, he kind of lets everybody do their job mm. and just make sure it happens. So what do you think his, his, his strength is as a restaurateur? I think, I mean, he's an excellent businessman. I, I think that he really sees potential, um, and then we'll exercise it until the potential is gone, and mm. then move on. Yeah. Um, what, so what? Do, what, do you, what makes a great businessman? I think that, that that's just a seeing huge, the potential. Yeah, the, the potential of it, the ability to really expand it, use it, and I mean, for all that it's worth, you yeah, know, and, and get it to be the best that it can possibly be, and recognize when it's done. I don't know if he lets ego get in the way either. I think he's just very what it is. You know, like it's he not does. about him. No, he, it's, it's not. About, it's yeah. not, you can know it's not about his pride, right? Because right, right. he's off the radar yeah you know yeah uh and just seeing opportunity being able to see talent in people he saw mm-hmm. it in yourself right yep. do you think he's just plugged into like the, the the culinary world and just paying attention to what is that his exposure or oh his, definitely i mean he's or, yeah it, it's kind of like i guess one of the nice things about being behind the scenes is because you can watch everything and yeah. nobody knows what you're what you're actually yeah. looking at you know interesting uh and so that he's able to really do that yeah you know and then he can go out to eat and yeah. You know, watch a chef and you said you got experience creating a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the, the key lessons you learned in that project of actually stripping something down to bare bones and building from scratch? Like what were some of the hard lessons you learned? Overspending. Overspending is a big thing. Yeah. I, I think when you, you know, think of 
you know, a, a kid with a bunch of Legos, it's like all of a sudden you have like the stack of Legos and you want to use all the Legos, right? Yeah. You want to build the biggest, you know, thing you can possibly have. But you realize like once you use all the Legos, they're gone. Yeah. It's the same thing with the, with the money for the project. You spend all the money and it's gone. Yep. And then now your quote unquote brilliant idea better freaking work. <laughs> <laughs> so did it work? I mean, I know they're not around today. They're not around today. No, I would say, you know, like for a while it did, yeah. you know, and the behind the scenes thing of that, there was definitely some up and down sort of financial, you know, things. It was a little bit of, you know, sort of overspending and then Jay would reel it back and then a little bit of overspending and reel it back. So it kind of, it did kind of, you know, go up and down around, around that sort of that, that profitable line. And at one point that I think that he realized that just the, the, the maintenance of a, of a high end restaurant where the profits are smaller than anything else that he'd been dealing with was not it was taking way too much of his time and pulling it away from any other projects that he wanted to do Mm. and so as a business person you realize one project is taking all of your time it's something's got it something's got to happen with you You either need to dump it and hand it off or you've got to you know i don't know figure out what to do with it yeah it was was just taking over everything but and there's nothing wrong if you want that, if that's what you want. If, if, you're, if your picture of success is having a project that takes all of your time and that's your baby and you're there, right. but if you're managing multiple locations, multiple restaurants, and you're, you have other obligations, you got to be mindful of that. You have to be very mindful yeah, of that. And I think sure. that he, he, he saw that and said yeah. he's like, you know, he wants other things. He, when, you know, he was looking at other restaurants. He was getting into you know, real estate and, and property and whatnot. And you know, by the fact that he had to constantly like, you know, change the Dunaway's diaper yeah. was just like not helping. So you started as a chef de cuisine or the sh- two chef? Sous chef. Two chef. Yep. Did you ever become the executive chef? I did. How long did that take? Um, so the, the weird way that that happened, I was, a su- so Mary Dumont was the, um, the chef there. Um, I left the Dunaway for like seven, eight months. Yeah. Um, and it was mostly cause my grandmother was, was dying and I didn't oh, have man. the schedule there, um, at the Dunaway where I could just kind of up and leave and go to Kentucky, um, when it was time. And so I went to the 100 Club, which is a much more flexible schedule. Um, my great friend Mark Siegel uh, was the chef there. Mark Siegel's the man. He's the man. You just, you just want to hug him. Yeah. Um, but he was there, and he gave me that opportunity. So I, you know, I basically shifted life gears for a little bit, and then when life had settled back down, um, I wanted to go back to the Dunaway to get back into that style of dining. Yeah, you mentioned Mary Dumont. Um, yep. where, did you get to work with her? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was. She was the chef when I. I yeah. was her sous chef. I mean, I think she's definitely worth bringing to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, she moved on to the Harvest in Harvest. Boston, yep. and she. What I know is Harvest is still going. Is it not? No, I think they closed it. Oh, did they? Oh okay. no, no. Harvest is still open, but she moved on from there and went to. She went to another. What did you, I was trying to remember what the name of the restaurant was. Another, another spot in Boston that, that yeah. she that she opened. That's right. Uh, any key lessons from working under a chef like Mary? Um, it really a lot of food things. It kind of broadened my mind about using you know fresh local farm, um, you know foods. Looking kind of what's right in front of you versus you know what you can get from across the world. Yeah, and that's a huge part of what you're doing now. Big I mean, time. It must have been a huge influence. That was one of the first times that that I had really been exposed to like let's look local. Mm. And I think that she learned a lot of that out in California and brought, I mean, you think about, you know, that style of cuisine and everything. It it started there and then came East. Um, and so I learned that from her, from her. Okay. Um, so what was going through your mind? What was the internal dialogue? Now you're working, uh, you've got the experience, you've worked some great places, um, but you aren't feeling like you're quite there yet. There's still something telling you to to get on the road. You went to New York city. Yeah. Why did you think you needed more at this point? What what were you going after? I I still wasn't culinarily where I want, where I wanted to be. I I felt that I was being creative and and had good technique, but that I wasn't still, I still wasn't solid enough, Mm um, to where I, where I wanted to be to, to do it on my own, to facilitate a kitchen in a restaurant. I just, I, 
in my head, I'm not sure how better way to explain it is. I just knew I wasn't there. Okay. I wasn't where I wanted to be. And um, how did New York City give you what you needed? Um, well, the first thing you need to know is like, I hate cities. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> you, I'm such not a big city boy. It's not even funny. <laughs> um, but what, what, it, what it gave me was um, like the, going back into the harsh technique. You know, New, New, uh, New England and the Northeast is, is really excellent. There's a lot of relaxed aspects to it. Um, you know, the criticisms are, are, you know, more relaxed and everything. The, the expectations of the diners are more relaxed and but you go to New York and it's just like, it is the epicenter of, you know, this side of the world. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of has to be perfect every single time or or else the the next guy will do it. Yeah. And so I kind of needed that, that regiment built into me a little bit more. Is this where the, whether it's three or 30, the same way got built into you? No, no, that, that's funny. That was actually from the Dunaway. Um, that was something that. Uh, we kind of came up with, and it had to do with slow days. And um, they're talking about sort of relaxing is like that you go into a service or any day with the same determination, drive, and devotion, whether you're cooking for three people or 30 people. Mm, it doesn't matter. That. Sorry to pull you off track. No, it's good. That. that was a great nugget for the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you remember that. <laughs> any, any, I cheated. I listened on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> any lessons uh, in New York City? any of the, the things that pushed you over the edge mm-hmm. uh, that you think made it worth getting that little extra time before opening your own place? Well, the, the, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like per se with, you know, the intricacy of the prep work, you know, I needed to get my hands a little more fine tuned because they definitely yep. became relaxed yeah. a bit more coming up here. So the knife work got tightened up the you know, the finger work got tightened up, the plating got tightened back up. Um, and then I met uh, a really wonderful chef by the name of Matt Orlando. Okay. And he was in his last few weeks at per se, when I was there, he was leaving and I'm going to phrase it the way that he phrased it. He's like a buddy of mine from Copenhagen called me and wanted me to come be his CDC. He's like, I don't know if you've heard the wrestling is called Noma. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and at that point I wasn't totally sure, you know, Noma hadn't become what it, what it yeah. was. And, um, so he, his buddy, Renee Redzepi, who had found out, you know, later. Um, but Matt left to go. He was again, like going back to that thing with Grant is the, the humble, the, the, the family, the let me help you kind of, yes. it just, it was just, he was such a great, not only cook and technician, but he was such a great person to be with. Mm. I mean, it's people, you can't over, you can't put over, you can't over, overemphasize the importance of being a good person. I no. say it all the time behind yeah. every great restaurant's a great person. Right. And the, the journey to becoming a great restaurant tour starts with not working on the business, but working on yourself. Cause right. it's going to be a reflection yeah. of your business. Um, I love that. Um, so you, when did you come back? When, when, when did you come back with the intent to open your own place? Um, I was only there for a little while and then I literally, I stayed on my sister's couch. She lived in, in New York then. Um, and so I just stayed there. And, um, I think after I, I, I kind of hit a point where I was like, I was tired mm. and, um, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be overrun or overworked because I had, I still had stuff to do. I wanted to come home like invigorated. I didn't want to come home like dead tired not want to talk to anybody i want yeah. to come on with like fire mm-hmm. and so that that's that's what it was okay you know, i kind of again kid you know child at home can't stay away forever yeah, so exactly it was time yeah. to come home so how old are you at this time this was a little bit later so i was 
30, early 30s. Early 30s. Yeah. And I love this mentality of like constant gentle pressure. I'm, standing, I'm stealing a line from Danny Meyer, yeah. right? And that idea that it doesn't happen overnight. It right. happens from knowing where you want to be. And, and like you, you have these, these things that were slow, not necessarily slowing you down, but you had to be mindful of your liabilities, right? Yep. The, your responsibilities. Yep. Um, and but you never let up. You just constantly like you went after a little extra more, a little more experience, a little more experience yep. over time, and you block this time to be able to do it. And if you put that work in, man, eventually, eventually, you know, yeah, yeah. Just, and I, I love think that. you're talking about like when do you know that it's time? You know, sort of time to, to move forward and stop gaining experiences. A lot, a lot of a lot of cooks and a lot of chefs will just continue to work and work and work and work and work, and then at some point you're trying to figure out like, well, what am I working towards? And something that, that I realized that as you're working, you know, you're building your technique, you're, you're, you're honing all your, your, your finger skills and whatnot, you're, you're learning the kitchen, you're doing all that. But the next thing that really goes in a lot of, you know, a lot of chefs and a lot of people will tell you is the next thing that has to go with that is that you have to become the diner. You have to travel. You have to see the culture that you can't just always be the cook in the kitchen because you only, you're only looking at it from one perspective. Yeah. And this actually leads into why Stages is built the way that it is. But you really have to understand the other side of being a cook. Okay. So what is, did you take off and just go travel and get tons of dining experience? Like, is that, is that that what this is? No, 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 not necessarily. Is that I, I let, I let the mentality of, I have to be this hard nosed, you know, Thomas Keller protege. I let that go. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause so many people that, that go get, go through his kitchens, Think of like, this is the way I need to do it. I want to do it this way. I'm going to stay with this because this is the best way to do it. And what I realized is like, I'm not Thomas Keller. I'm not, I don't want to be Tom. I don't want yeah. to be any of that, you know, that it's let that go. And now let's work on me yeah. so that I can do it. You know, what's weird. And I don't want to, I'm not discrediting Thomas Keller yeah. or anybody yeah. who's achieved similar levels of, of uh, greatness and uh, success in the industry. But the truth is a lot of the people that do achieve that we literally were talking about this on the way over here. A lot of people that do achieve this success have a screw loose. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying Thomas Keller has a screw no. loose, but there's, I'm just saying this a screw loose in the sense that maybe they have OCD or maybe they, they are insatiable or maybe there's some, like we, we aspire to these people. We admire what these people have done, but sometimes even the most the greatest people in our industry have qualities of life that aren't that great no you know you know what the biggest thing that they can't do is what's that turn it off exactly and i and i think the thing is like we have to recognize that while what they've accomplished is amazing that isn't necessarily sometimes people learn this the hard way that isn't necessarily what we all need or want no you know no um and it's it's good that you recognize that yeah yeah I, i became a much better cook when i stopped doing that yeah so what did you learn about yourself? Because you said you don't want to do what Thomas Keller did. You want to do what M- Evan Hennessy is going to do. Yeah. What, what did that look like at this point in your mind? So what I realized that I needed to do, and this part like, it literally has nothing to do with cooking, is that I needed to go back and start doing things that I enjoy doing. Mm. And I've always been an outdoor kid. I've always loved you know, adventuring and hiking and doing things like that and being in the mountains. And I, just, I needed to get back into doing I need to be that again. I need to balance my life because yeah. all I was doing was just work, 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 work. And that's it. At some point, you know, kind of like what you alluded to is like, there's very few people that can continue that level yeah. and not just like completely fizzle yeah. or worse. And, um, you know, I, I don't want that. I enjoy other things in life than cooking. Mm-hmm. So and it, without me saying it, it just, it became that it became the answer to the question that I couldn't figure out how to ask myself, you know, it's like, how, how do, how do I make myself better? Is it, we'll stop cooking. Yeah. And all of a sudden you just get it. You start seeing it more. 
So did you go through a period where you just walked away from cooking altogether? No, no, not necessarily. I just, but I started, I stopped the hard nose mentality of like, it has to be this certain way. Yeah. And I started like, just like looking at other cultures, a lot of other ways of cooking, a lot of other um, areas around the world, you know, and I didn't necessarily travel to them, I guess to say like in my mind I did, yeah. you know, but via books and, you know, the interweb that I was able to, you know, look at a lot of pictures. You start envisioning like what food in different places look like and how they cooked it okay. and how people weren't wearing you know, starched white coats and toques in, in order to make that food. And all okay. of a sudden you add this human aspect to, to, to you and to your food and to your cooking. And, and then you, you yourself start to become more of a person. I love that, man. Um, so when do you just, I know when you were, you came back to the Dunaway when you returned from yep. New York city, right? Uh, no, no, I went to, I went to Dunaway after literally like, so the quick little timeline the Dunaway closed. They sold the restaurant. Okay. It closed. Okay. And then, um, my brother and I started a catering company oh. literally just a few months after that. And the reason I get that, that I, that I got to go to New York was actually because of, uh, one of my best friends is Matt Lewis. Oh, that's right. And he, cause he worked at the, at the laundry and he was on the opening team at per se. And I said to him, I was like, I need this experience. Can yeah. you, can you do this for me? This is another huge lesson right here is yeah. network is everything. Yeah. People, if you have a reputation, if you have a good name, People will open doors for you, and yep. knowing who knows who is so important. Too. It's huge. Um, I, don't, I don't think we put enough emphasis on the value of your network. I mean, we came out a lot with my conversation, Jamie Bissonnet mm-hmm. uh, or Pissonet. Um, I'm destroying names. <laughs> uh, and he, you know, just knowing people, getting out there, talking to people, and just being sociable, yeah. and and having that network, they will open doors for you. Mm-hmm. How how's your ne- your network served you? Was it beyond the, the Matt Lewis situation? Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely been huge. You know that. Anytime you have an opportunity that I think you need to look at is like, how, how can you utilize it again? Not just sit there and, you know, say like, hey, this is the great thing. It's like, but it should, you know, one door should open another door. Mm-hmm. It should open another door. Um, and how to continue to do that. Yeah. And I think also not just reaching out to people when you need something. Correct. Um, yeah. I mean, your door should always be open as well. Yeah. What, what's that saying? Dig the well before you're thirsty. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, awesome stuff. So, Okay. I think now is a great time to take our first break to thank our sponsor, and we'll be right back to start talking about how you executed stages. Yes, it's true. Kick and scream all you want, but more and more guests want to text instead of speaking over the phone. Good thing there's Podium. Even if you're old-fashioned like me, this is good news. Frankly, accepting orders via text is more effective, efficient, and accurate. You can even accept payments after hours. How convenient is that? Not to mention it's safer. No more accepting credit card numbers over the phone. Instead, do it the safe way with Podium Payments. By the way, Podium Payments is fully integratable with Apple Pay. Uh, what else is there? Do you like getting reviews? Who doesn't? With Podium Pay, send a review invite at the time it's most likely to be clicked right after an order is completed. They even throw in 250 review invites as part of Podium's free products. Now, you might be asking yourself, what about websites? Everybody wants to order online. Podium's got you covered. Take orders from your website no matter what tools you use via Podium Web Chat. What are you waiting for? Set up a business texting line right now. No cost, no contract, no reason not to get started. Head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Podium and get Podium's starter version free. That's restaurantunstoppable.com slash Podium. All right, we're back. And when did this, the vision for stages start to come into frame for you? 
Um, so the vision of stages started to come. I mean, simply, my brother and I opened a catering company. Very important part of my, my life and my business is my brother. He is my business partner. Nice. Um, and he is, by all means, the reason that this whole thing actually works. What do you think about people that say never go into business with your family? I think it depends on the family. Exactly. <laughs> I always say that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I was lucky enough that, you know, that, you know, I have such such a great brother and you know and he, i think a big part that uh why it works is that he and i don't do the same thing he he's he, so he's you know we'll say by trade an accountant yep. um and i'm you know by trade a, a cook and neither of us do the other thing to the extent that the other person does yeah. and so that we're not trying to tell each other what to do mm-hmm. you know that 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 definitely helps the for sure the so when you came back to the new, uh, new hampshire mm-hmm. how long were you doing the catering thing before opening stages so we were doing we were catering for catering for roughly almost to about two and a half years okay um then in the way that i literally was like dude this is uh before i was actually divorced so quick uh personal side before i was divorced that i started i kind of built a mock catering kitchen in our three season porch Okay. And started just slowly buying gear and buying stuff. And by you know, like I bought another uh, refrigerator and put it in the garage. And you know, I had coolers. That it was just like a total shit show. Um, I love that. I love the idea of starting where you can. That's yeah. something that comes up all the time. People to get into so much debt because they think they need all this stuff now right. to, to, to execute their vision. But visions don't happen overnight. Man. You can do amazing things yeah. with, with a very small amount of stuff. Yeah, You absolutely. really can. Um, so how long did it – so you just – I love – so you're in your three-season – room yep. slowly just building 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 uh take it from there yeah so we but then the idea is formulating you know because we're, we're getting everything from small private dinners where i can do some you know some nice high-end stuff to you know major weddings and, and that's great and so we're building up money and revenue and our overhead is like next to nothing because yep. all we're doing is paying me and yep. the food so that's great so we're you know we're starting to save up money and but i I had always wanted the restaurants so always kept going back to that idea and as we got you know on and on it's like started developing the idea of what I wanted it to be. And of course, you know, when you, it's hard to have your, your own idea for the first time. Meaning like when I first started with, with uh, stages, I wanted to do much the way that like next works yep. where I wanted to do um, kind of a themed menu. We would do it for a month, design out the restaurant, design everything out. And then we would shut down for like two weeks and then flip into another concept. Yeah, re- recreate yourself. Yeah, exactly. To do that all the time. And I thought that was such a cool, because then we could explore a lot of different worlds and a lot of different cuisines. And, and that was fun. And that's, that's how the, excuse me, that's how the restaurant originally opened. It was that. Yeah. And it was, I mean, you know, here we are eight and a half years later and this isn't, this was not what, where we are right now is not my original vision. But that's uh, also really important because yeah. I think that people people change over time. Oh yeah, you learn more about yourself. You 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 let you these all these perspectives you're getting influence your vision mm-hmm. and what you want to become. Yep. And I think it's. I mean, how do you find that balance of not getting too stuck on your vision? I think. Well, first of all, I think it's really really smart. I think that you need to. Um, you need to love the vision. You need to love the idea, but you also have to have the ability to let the idea go if it's like okay, we've done this. Yeah, and I think that that's something that I've done throughout menus throughout concepts here throughout whatever it is that we've done here that i've always had that as like i've loved an idea i've massaged the idea i've gone with the idea i've done it you know as best i think that we can and then it's like okay we did that yeah i love this high level conceptual stuff and i'm also really interested in like the the granular nitty-gritty of did you guys were you using this building to kind of paint the picture again Mm -hmm. um stages is in dover new hampshire one washington yep one washington Washington, um ave street whatever it is Um, it's a massive mill building um probably built at the turn of the 19th century i'm I'm assuming i should know the history better than i actually do and you're 
in the, the space is um I would assume it would be called a suite, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Within the building, yep. um, were you was your commissary kitchen here at one point? Like, how did you find yourself in this space? Yeah. So when we were looking for a space, we looked around the Portsmouth area and whatnot. And uh, this is kind of an interesting story for anybody that's looking for spaces for for restaurants. Is that we originally sort of we were working with a realtor and we said we we have this idea for a small restaurant that we want to be able to kind of constantly evolve. And that was more or less the detail that we were looking for them. And, but the, the keyword was small. Mm-hmm. And so they were showing us all these, these footprints, which were three, 4,000 square feet. It's like, these are huge. Yeah. Like, small. Yeah. So like, okay, cool. So they would show us another one. It's like two, you know, 2,500 or 2,300, 2,000, 3,000 square feet. What's the square footage of this space? 1,100. Okay. And, um, and I was like, no, it's still too big. And then, then they would show us restaurants that were had gone out of business. They're like, it's great. It's already got a kitchen. I was like, I don't want somebody else's bad idea. <laughs> and that's like what I've stuck on for the past. Like, I don't want somebody's bad idea. Yeah. It didn't work for them. Why do you, why do you think it's going to work for me? Yeah. Um, and so we said, forget it. And I you know, currently live in Dover. And so that I was driving through and I saw like a for lease sign on this building. And I was like, well, let's go see what that is. And you know, after looking at a couple of spaces, they showed us this. And I was like, I like that. Yeah. And it was... It was just it was it was a blank slate. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you would never know stages is here. Yeah. So what I'm curious, like, it kind of goes against a lot of what we learned about location, location, right, location, right, right. foot traffic. Oh, we, like, we battle that all the time, though. Don't 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 downplay that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so is yeah. that one of your challenges? It's always been one of our challenges. Yeah. Always, always. Um, it, it's 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 a win lose thing with that, you know, because we like the idea, and a lot of our guests, you know, say the same thing because it's cool. It's like it has like this, you know, hidden away treasure yeah. kind of thing. It's a, you're in a whole other world when you're here, kind of stuff. The, the experience of getting here is like you come into the building. It's a huge building. Yeah. Um, you walk down a small flight of stairs, go into an elevator. Right. Idea, probably, I'm assuming most people use yep. the elevator. Yeah. Go to the third floor. You yeah. get out, and it's like it's on your left. Yeah. Like it's not like a, it's it's you would have to know where you have to know going. where you're going exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an unintentional part of the experience. Yeah, you know we because when we looked at it originally, you know, again, we was you have to kind of you have to figure out how to how to look outside your own little you know fishbowl and whatnot. And we're here, we're in our little room, and like this is great. We've got our our cool kitchen. We've got this you know super sweet spot. And then, but we never think of like we look at it more of an annoyance. Like oh, people have to come up here, they figure out where to park, and then they get the elevator. And it's like it's just one thing after another. People are like. It's so cool. This mill building is so neat. Well, the, the, the space is very charming. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. see the allure to this space. I see why you'd want to build in this space. Yeah. Because it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's the framing, you know, yeah. and you can do what you want with it. It's the high ceilings, high ceilings. you know, like yep. you have that, that flexibility to execute your vision. Yep. Um, so I guess back to, so you weren't in this space before. I kind of always assumed for some reason that you were catering and then you just kind of evolved your catering space. This was a commissary uh, but that's not the case. No. Yeah. So, so the catering continued to go when we, when we did this. Okay. And when so, did you open 2013? Uh, 2012, 2012. Okay. We did. Yeah. And so we brought, obviously catering came with us. Yeah. So that is the layout design of this kitchen is, is meant to do two things at one time. It's meant to run catering and it's meant to run a high end service at the same time. Okay. And, um, and so we did that, you know, we were doing literally both. We were catering, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, um, we'd have coolers packed through here. We'd have all kinds of stuff and literally like clear the space, clean the space and open for one of our concept, you know, dining things. And then, um, like after, after a while of time, we're like, this is freaking getting exhausting. Like I can imagine. to do that, yeah. you know, to change a restaurant literally every month. Yeah. Um, on top of, you know, our catering, which is growing and growing and growing to the point where we were doing two and three weddings a weekend. Jeez. Um, and 
you know, and, you know, dinner service. They do a lot of weddings in this building, don't they? They do. There, there's yeah. a facility just That's kind probably of off convenient. the back corner. I don't know if that... It was. We did yeah. a couple there. Yeah. 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 The funniest thing is you'd think it'd be super convenient to drag stuff down the hallway. It was the biggest pain in the ass <laughs> we ever had. <laughs> I'd rather go to somewhere else, you know, right. load a truck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but it, it, in a lot of ways, like it, it was the means to get us to where we needed to, to, to be financially. Catering was never a goal. It was kind of a means to an end. Okay. Thing. Let's pull back a few layers on that. Yeah. And like, what should we know about starting catering? Uh, what are the things that you didn't take into account that you, that you were blindsided by that you can maybe help somebody who's listening with this avoid that situation? I think so in catering, you're, it depends on which angle you're looking at this from. You know, if, if you're sort of the creative cook side that wants to be able to do your food, catering is not for you. And I came in with that angle. Yeah. Um, knowing that I knew that it could be, you know, good money to help us, you know, get a loan here and, and do what we need to financially. But it is not your creative outlet. It's not. Yeah. Um, even when you do private dinner parties, you know, you, you, you email off the menu to, you know, the people you're going to be cooking for. You're like, oh, this is great. This is what I want to do. And they're like, yeah, that's great. But can we just do something like chicken and maybe some shrimp? And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. um, this is not why I travel. This is not why I travel. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. not what I did this yeah. for. Um, so that, 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 that's a big, you really have to realize, like, I guess you have to ask yourself, you're getting, you're thinking about kids, like, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And your answer is your answer, yeah. you know? And my answer was, you know, I thought that I could, um, hopefully expand the world of catering food wise and take yeah. it off of what was typically known as just catering food. Yeah. You know, so, so you said you were trying to, you're, you're catering the sole purpose just to, to generate the revenue, the revenue you would need to open your brick and mortar, your restaurant. Right. Um, <clears throat> what was that number? Did you have a figure worked out that you would, like a goal you were working towards and like, a, a, a to actually be able to have the funds you needed to, to execute stages? Um, I'm going to, I'm sure there was my brother probably had no yeah, that number. Better than I that <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think when we got to a certain thing, we realized, okay, we've got, you know, enough of kind of a down payment towards a loan. We were able to figure it out. And the amount of money that it would take to open this was achievable to pay back. Okay. What, what can you share in those numbers? Of course. Yeah. So for us to build out stages, uh, you know, start to finish was $162,000. $162,000. That's so, pretty achievable. That's very, yeah. In terms of restaurant standards, that's yeah. like, that's not much. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing you have to look at, too at this point another amazing benefit of taking the time to go work in incredible restaurants to get that experience Mm -hmm. is that's that's your resume you know you get to bring that to the bank they're now investing not just in you but your experience yeah uh and when you have that type of experience it's so that's leverage right now think of that idea you know going back to when like sort of the 43 north days when you're like yeah i want to open a restaurant and the banks be like get the hell out of here yeah and keep in mind that's a hundred and what do you say hundred and forty thousand hundred and sixty two hundred and sixty two thousand dollars to not take over a restaurant right. that's the build, that's a, build. A, a restaurant from scratch that's ludicrous yeah. man that's good so that's really lean <laughs> yeah. we, we did is like I, I was the contractor you know i think you know again with like going through the experience of the dunaway learning how to you know do you paint your own stuff you build things you know it's like you become basically you know the the carpenter's right hand man you know yeah. like whatever whatever i can do to save the, not to hire somebody else I'll do it. Yeah. So what were some of the lessons you learned in those early years of building out this space? It takes longer than you think it's going to, because you, 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 there's a lot of like meetings and figure stuff out and there's a lot of numbers back and forth. And then there's a lot of waiting. Yeah. What about building a space? I mean, I think there's, I love these types of buildings. Yeah. These old, and you see them all the time in the Northeast and these mill buildings, these factory buildings. Um, what are the benefits of building a restaurant and the, the pros and cons to building a restaurant in a space like this? Um, I think that the pros are that it's like the accessibility of getting things in and out of here is really easy. 
you know, you're not dealing with like trying to park trucks like on the street or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It's like, I mean, we have loading docks here that we can get in and out. Pull the mic up just a little bit. Yeah. We can get get the uh, loading docks in and out, you know, get stuff in and out of here really easily. Um, you know, that's definitely the, the probe. The, the building creation is easy because it's just a framework. Yeah. We're not dealing with a bunch of other stuff. You're not dealing like how with how hard like, was it to get this massive hood in here? Probably not easy, but not easy, but not hard. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they basically, they brought the entire thing up in one piece in yeah. a freight elevator. Yeah. Um, versus building it into, you know, to something else. So, yeah. so the, the, the ease of access is, is great. Um, working with the town of Dover was, was excellent. Yep. Um, you know, I've heard horror stories about working with all different kinds of departments from different, different yep. towns and, um, we had no problems. Everybody was like, tell us what you need when you need it. They were here, but it was like, it was just, yeah. it was so such like, a great sweet, experience. Something cool in our town. Yeah. It's yeah. like going to like Chicago where you're on a waiting list for Wait, yeah, a no. year. We, yeah. we didn't, the only thing we were waiting for was just like, we have a lot of custom built equipment. And so we were waiting for that stuff to come yeah. through. But other than that, it was like, no, it was pretty seamless. What about, I mean, we talked about the location that you're in this yeah. big building. Yep. Um, that's probably one of the cons yep. I'm assuming. Um, but what about the town of Dover? I feel like, I have this theory that like the opportunities aren't in the the bigger cities and more well known established cities anymore. They're yeah. on the the hinge, they're the edge. And the the reason being is the the cost of what it's like to be here. It doesn't cost us much to be here. Yeah. Um. You know the 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 bigger the city, the more sort of restaurant you know based the city is, uh, the more expensive it is just for you to be here. You know, so that our cost of moving in, you go back to the one hundred sixty two. A uh, thousand, you know, just that that cost was able to stay low. The, our, like, I, we were able to keep all the things that just can just escalate so fast. Yeah. In creation and running a restaurant, pretty low for for being in this area. So yeah. the, so that in itself was you know was good. But you know, talk about like a market. You know that we basically here's a, here's a great thing to say is that we came up with an idea that had never been done and put it in a town that had never tried it in an area that had never thought of it, and we did it. Yeah. Um. So you're taking some risk there, but I feel a like this, at the same time, <laughs> you're on the edge. It's maybe a 15-minute drive, 20-minute drive. To, what is it? To 15 minutes drive. Yeah, yeah 15, 15 minutes. It's right yep. over the bridge. Yep. Um, there's a lot of people that, that don't necessarily want to go into Portsmouth because yep. of how much of a headache it is to find parking. It's yep. For those who aren't familiar with Portsmouth, it's an old port city in New Hampshire, sec- or second or third largest city. In New Hampshire, it's one of the top, yeah, yeah. top. I don't know Manchester, Nashua, Portsmouth. I think yeah, that's yeah. how it goes. Um, and it's there's just not a lot. Of, it's pretty tight, and there's a ton of restaurants. Yeah. There's more restaurant seats in Portsmouth than there, there are people. people. Uh, so why go to that market? Why try to compete with all these established brands, right? right where you can come to Dover and instantly create a market. I, I saw you know? so many other restaurants just. You know, look over the world, but you know more so like um, you know around the country. I mean, think of like the Inlet Little Washington. I remember you know like like French Laundry out in Napa. It's like th- there wasn't anything there when they opened. You know, yeah. so you have all these people that are just like you know dropping these little gems a- around the country in yeah. not major cities. It's more accessible. Yeah, it's way more accessible. You know, yeah. the drive is nicer, the parking is easier. There's just there's a lot more to it. Um, yeah, the, the the ease of access. I mean, yes, we are not right on the street, so you don't drive by and see us, but. But I mean, that might be an issue if you're um, a space that seats 150. That's that's where it is. You know, so we, we don't have the pressure of volume exactly. You know, here. And I think, like, like I said, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. Because I've, <laughs> I've heard people on the show they say this is a volumes game. Like it's all about how many people you can serve because you only have so so much time to do it. Yeah. And it's a volume game. It's but not it, a volume game. It it's depends a, on what's a numbers game. It's, it depends on what you want to right. do. That's which is why it's so important to get that experience to figure yep. out who you are and what right. matters to you. Because how many people do you sit in this space? Nine. Nine people. Um, so. 
it works for what you're trying to do because yeah. all you need to do is get nine people in here. Yep. And I don't know how your what's your 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 process look like for reservations and, and getting people in. So I mean. It's all in online, you know, right now. And so the, the, the reservation process has been quite the evolution. Let's say before COVID-19, what was it looking like? The evolution of what that looked like? We were pretty good. I mean, we definitely got, I mean, I was very fortunate to have been on the, the television show Chopped, you know, and so that, winning that really helped. did you first get on Chopped? I was just, I think, 2018? Yeah. What is this, 20? So. This is 2020, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so can't get over fast. No, I can't. It was either like the end of eighteen or the beginning of of nineteen that I was on. I was and I was on a couple times, and um, and so that that definitely helped. But again, just you know, so we always say you know, time in business. The longer you can stay standing, people find out about you, and then you know your quality you know sort of stands up. And word of mouth, the the word of mouth has been how we've done this. Yeah, you know, um, which is you know helped you know miraculously. I mean, you can pay somebody a lot of money to put an ad in a newspaper yeah. or you could just hear from your friends. What about reservations? Are you, how do you handle that? I know you, you, you worked with Grant Ackett's at, I'm always afraid I'm saying yeah, yeah, no, you got it. Yeah. Um, I know him, he and um, Nick Kokonas Kukona, yeah. uh, developed talk. Oh, and I'm, I'm curious system. if you're, because you're tied and you, you, you clearly follow that brand. Right. Um, were, like, was that kind of influencing? Your, yeah, well, your, we, had, we had, so our original, when we had started we did an online payment system in the, in the, the idea of the, like the ticketing system. Yeah. And so that when people would make reservations that they were able to pay online and for their experience, but the experience included like everything. So we were doing like the, the, the theme um, idea, the theme dinner stuff that their ticket price more or less included that they could select they had the menu and then they could select the beverage thing and then you check out and you're done. Gotcha. And so there's no check at the end of the meal. Much like the ticket thing. And then after we kind of broke off the, the theme idea, we realized, again, it's like this idea is great and the ticketing thing works n- not as well in this area. Okay. You know, I think when you have a more dense population, I think that, that it works better. It just I, – I don't want to make it sound like I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's just it's not the right fit for us. Okay. Just the, the open reservation system that we use works. I think a lot of people around this area, they like – the flexibility, less the control, like, you know, okay, I have to pay ahead for this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Northeast just wasn't there yet. I yeah. Like yeah. Those technology tends to be adopted sooner in bigger cities. I totally agree. Slowly people like adopt it and then people hear about it right. and then it kind of spills over. I'd be curious to see how that works now. We, we just feel it's like, you know, doing the concept that, you know, that we're tasting menu, we're reservation only, we're super small seated. So we put this up, we put ourselves in this like elite echelon of you know things it's like we didn't want to add another layer of like how you pay and how you get into it into that you know so we just got to get we need to make sure that our guests still had a small amount of comfortableness coming (laughs) going through it how many nights a week were you open at first uh we were always just three it was always just yeah yeah thursday friday saturday is what we've done what like i think a lot of people are probably shaking their head at that yeah um but like you said it's been working so what was it um i guess what i mean why that? Take t- take us through that approach. Um, again, it goes back to you know like the recognition of him is that you know now I have you know we talked about I have a, an older son who's twenty three now. It's like I I have two younger ones who are now uh, nine and twelve, and so I've always had you know the responsibility of being a dad and being yeah. you know uh, being with my children. I've always wanted to. I want to make it sound like a responsibility, like it's a whole other thing, but it's yeah. just like I've always, I always want to you know spend time with them and be able to do things out of the restaurant. And the only way to do that is to create a situation that you can kind of pack it and make it financially feasible in a small amount of time and then be able to have your outside of time. 
or yeah. outside of work time. So uh, what I'm really curious, what I love uh, about you is this ability to put Evan Hennessy first. Yeah. You know, like what, not, not in the sense, like this idea of like, who am I? Who do I want to be? Who, who is Evan Hennessy? And then building around that, you know? Yeah. Um, and it seems like you figured that out and that this is an extension of that. How do you make, how do you make three nights a week work? What is it that we need to know if we want to take this approach? But it, it's, uh, sorry, just answer that question. Yeah. We'll yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, like, you know, you said, you said somebody before it said it's like, it's a volume game. It's like, no, it's a numbers game. Yeah. You know, if you can make, make it so that, you know, your bills are paid, your overhead is paid, you know, I, I have a, you know, a comfortable living and it's like, then I don't feel the need to like continue to do more and more and more. Cause all the, all that more and more and more. I mean, yes, there might be more money in the bank, but it, at it's what cost going out faster too. exactly yeah. you know but then, but then at what cost you know yeah. your stress levels is is higher your everything is just it's it's not as balanced as I, as I want it to be yeah and i think that's the key lesson here and i you know i don't we don't need to get into the financials we don't need to know how much you're bringing home every week but what we do know what it seems like from the outside looking in is that you're mm-hmm. a very balanced happy individual and and I've, you know and again like my situation isn't everybody's but i I've, I've been lucky enough to have i've created i don't want to say i'm lucky enough i created the situation that made this happen. Yeah. And not everybody has the ability to do it. You know, when you play the volume game, you don't have this. You know, yeah. it's just, you really, you need to figure out what it is that you want and then create that. Well, I think that's why it's so important to, to kind of do like to really check yourself. Like, do I really want to be the next Thomas Keller? Because that's, that's a commitment. That's a commitment. You know, that's and not, not to say what you're doing. This is, is also a commitment, yeah. but to, to find out, what that balance looks like to, to marry what you love to do. And it seems like what you love to do from what mm-hmm. I can gather is being outside and telling a yeah. story behind the food and really foraging and doing all, all that also takes yeah. time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, it all builds to, you know, to like the emotional side and the feeling of, of, of what we do. If I'm, you know, sort of emotionally void of, you know, life and it's, you know, and everything else. And what kind of a host am I when our guests are here? Yeah. I mean, what kind of a conversation on this? I mean, am I, am I, yeah. we have, if I know literally nothing but cooking, yeah. you know, we have guests that travel the world and come in and dine with us. And yeah. I'd love to be able to have conversations and share their experiences with them. I know. I, mean, I think there's so much more happiness in your approach yeah. and really making true human connections every day All the than time. just trying to get as many people into your doors during a, a, a period of time. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and I mean, that, that, that's value to me. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. So in the past, it's, it's crazy to think it's been almost, I think it was 2014. You're here for a year. Um, so six years, mm. six years ago, almost seven years ago, uh, you're on the show. Um, how has stages evolved since opening and since the last time you were on the show? I think in several ways, you know, financially we've gone in up and down and up and down. And then thank you, COVID that, you know, through game plan letter D out the, out the, out the window. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think, you know, cooking has been, has been a huge thing. You know, I definitely, you know, personally have evolved a lot and been able to, um, I think just become more comfortable with this place and not that I was ever necessarily uncomfortable about it, but I just feel more, I don't know, just kind of an extension of who you an are. An extension yeah. of it, you know, more now. And I just feel more comfortable, with, you know, with it. And I feel that it represents me more yeah. now. Um, you know, I think that, that that's a huge thing. And then, like, you know, my, my food is just, has evolved, you know, so much. And whether that's, you know, a lot of that really is from like, it's getting outside and doing other things and cooking. Cause when I come back to, you know, my notebook to, to write dishes or write menus or ideas, that I come back with a literally a, a very clear, open mind. And not just if like all I do is work and work and work, 
I can't think of anything else but that. I can't think of anything else but the dish I just did. But if I go out and do other things, you know, and go climbing, go hiking, go outside, go running, whatever it is, that you come back to that that notebook with such a clear mind. And like at that point, again, every time I do that, anything is on the table. Every idea is out there. And you just start to create again every single time. Well, just the other thing that's coming through my mind listening to you talk is this idea of just intentionality and how much more intentional you can be yeah. when you slow down. Yeah. You know, and how much thought you can put into things and how like... It's, it's a lesson I'm learning the hard way right now too, where I'm trying to, you know, doing two episodes a week, right? Um, but also traveling across the country to get those episodes and to create workshops around this. It's like, why not just do what I can and, and move on when I've finished, Yeah, you know, like yeah. I think that must be such a liberating thing to like explore something, yeah. figure it out, get in there and then move on after you, only after you've done it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's a, there's, there's so much happiness and simplicity, you yeah. know, I think as you, you try to do, and a lot of people still do it, you know, in my age and, and older and everything, but you're trying to do so much and so much and so much. And I went through that thing, you know, that phase, you know, we're like, was, you know, New York, Chicago and back and forth and you're doing all these different things. You're just trying to do as much as you possibly yeah. can. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start growing up and you, you know, start becoming a little more tired. Yeah. And I was like, I can't continue to do that. That is not sustainable. No. You know, and not, not only, but it's not fun anymore either, you know, but, um, you know, when you start kind of slowing down, you know, like, you know, our food is like, it's simplified, but yet the maturity and the complexity of it has just, has increased. Yeah. And like you said, this, the space now is more of an extension of who you are. Mm-hmm. Literally there's a, a rock climbing wall. Yeah. That's new. That wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We built that a little while ago. So like there, like, and I know that's one of your passions is yep. rock climbing. So like, it's literally an extension yeah. of who you are. Like your personal brand is on the walls. Literally. I think yeah. that, that, you know, again, yeah, as you walk through the spaces, like, you know, it's not about like trying to prove a point, like trying to break down every boundary of fine dining or trying to not be certain things. Like I just, I wanted people to, feel comfortable i wanted to i want to feel comfortable in my own space you know it's like i want it to be you know as as about as about me and i know that sounds like super egotistical but you know it's like i want it to sound you know uh, comfortable i I just i keep going back to that word and i'll keep repeating it but um you know it's like it's cozy out front you know some couches little lounge area then you've got the you know the climbing wall in here it's like i'm not afraid to put those things in here because because like well you can't put that in a restaurant i was like yeah why not (laughs) <laughs> who says who says yeah, i can't like, do that I, I bet that's a conversation starter every oh yeah yeah and it, like, it, it, it it really is you know it's like yeah exactly it's a great yeah. conversation starter all of a sudden you know we have like you know my whiteboard i have goals and things like that and be like oh i hike you know what have you done and you have all these like oh i climb where, where do you like to go you know all of a sudden you get these you suddenly you connect instantly those, with people. whose whose paintings are these on the wall behind us so we'd like to change over our art collection uh <laughs> here this is the uh this is the 2018 collection from uh from my son and daughter Emma and Caden. So we, we uh, hang these up, and then after a little while, they paint new, new ones, and we change them over. But yeah. you, you know, I'm sorry, keep going. Keep oh going. no, no. It's, but, but again, it's like you know, we're, we're when you're at home, right, and you make a great picture. They're like, where do your parents put it on the refrigerator? Right. That's what this is. I love it, man. And it's. I think we've come full circle. Yeah. Because we started this conversation talking about vulnerability. Yeah. And I think that you are. In order to achieve comfortable, to be comfortable, yeah, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah, like you have, you have to, like, because like, it's being comfortable in your own skin, mm-hmm. which is just that inherently makes you vulnerable. Yeah, you, to be comfortable, you have to expose everything, right? You, you have, you have to be, you have to not be afraid to to show who you are. Yeah, you know, the, you know, going back to the Thomas Keller's, like, stop trying to be 
somebody else. They're trying to do what somebody else is doing. It takes a little while to get, you know, to get to that point. But, you know, yeah, it's like I've got a rock climbing wall in my restaurant. I have my, my children's art up on, you know, the wall in the kitchen. It's like, this is my home. This is, and I want you to understand that and see that and feel that. And when you feel that you're coming to a nice dinner in my home, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're not sitting out in a dining room, you know, way, you know, way far away. It's like, we literally are, you know, you're in my kitchen. Yeah. The other thing I would love to talk about, um, you mentioned Plan D got thrown out the window, right? What was going on before COVID-19? And there's a part of me that feels like you're set up to be successful in COVID-19 because you can only seat nine people in a private space. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Is, is that the case or is that not the case? No, it is, but we didn't think of it that that was going to, obviously we didn't know that COVID was going to you know, come and that everything's going to be, was going to be shut down. And going back into March when all the restaurants were told to shut down, my, the honest thing to tell you is that at that point, when I locked that door, I was like, it's over. That's it. I, I, I had, I had come to terms of we we are closing this down. Oh man. And I was fine with it and I cried over it and you know, and it was okay, but it was like, okay, now, now we figure out what's next. And, you know, I started looking at other jobs, you know, like what the world on itself got, you know, got flipped upside down. Yeah. So can you even open a restaurant? I don't know. You know, and when can you do that? I, I don't know. You know, so I started looking at other jobs. I started thinking about other parts of my life that I enjoy doing. Like, can I do something, you know, out in the mountains? Can I do something? Can I tour guide? It's like, what can I do? What else can I do? Yeah. Um, and then so we were closed here for two and a half months trying to figure out what we were going to do with it. And, um, we eventually actually, thanks to my wonderful, wonderful love of my life, my girlfriend, Michelle said, she's like, do takeout, mm. give it a try, see how it goes. Worst case scenario, you shut it down and you're right back to where you are now. I was like, okay, let's do it. And my first initial reaction, and she'll tell you this was like, I was kind of against it. Like, I don't want to do that. And I don't know if it was this whole thing. Like, I don't want to like kind of come down to that. I, I don't really know what, what my thing would be. I just, I wasn't a, about it yet. Yeah. And then eventually, like, you know, I think through- this is where the catering in you comes back. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not yeah. about what I have to want to do to, it's about right now survival. Survival. Yeah. Yeah. And she put it into a lot of great perspectives and everything. And she's like, you, know, you can still do, you know, the food that you want to do. It's not going to be, you know, the stages tasting menu, but it's still going to be food that you, you can be proud of. Yeah. And so we started coming, we came up with the idea of like family meals, mm. you know, things that we like to cook at home. Something that's important to us is, you know, is eating dinner at the table together. And so we wanted to do, um, you know, some nice, way more casual stuff, but like nice food. Mm. And, um, and that's kind of what we did. And we, you know, we had some na- things named after, you know, each of us and, and one, and then it basically kind of became like this family esque bistro style takeout. Are you still doing that now? We are not. Okay. No, I would love to come back to that. I really, really it would. It went really well. That's awesome. Yeah. It went really, really well. Um, better than I expected. Great. You know, I knew we were like watching the orders come in and like, okay, we've got a handful of today. We got a handful of more. It's like, holy crap, we got a lot more. Yeah. And there's more. And there's more. And it just, <laughs> you know, but it took, it took us <clears throat> like anything with here is that like it took us learning how to operate the system. You know, we were first, we were like, okay, we're going to let people order Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then we would be open for pickup, you know, whatever, like Friday, Saturday, whatever it is. And then we were just like, people want to order all the way up until. And so we, we had to get the kitchen and get, everything in all our systems set up so that we could literally let people order and pick it up 15 minutes later. Okay. And going from a tasting menu format yeah. where I plan Prefix. things yeah. way in advance um, to literally, you're going to tell me what you want in 15 minutes. Oh man. So it's very different. It was back to your line cooking. It was going back to yeah. line cooking. Yeah. It's exactly what it was, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, so what about the future? What's the future look like as far as, uh, you know, you, are you going to pivot? Are you going to adapt? I, like, like I mentioned, I feel like you guys are kind of set up. Yeah 
for the, the our current situation. I, I think I don't know is, is is the best way to say it. I think it's really hard to to dictate right now what anybody's future you know is going to be. Obviously, that we're still in you know survival and stay here mode. Um, but what we have right now, which is so we have nine seats, but we can only seat six of them because of spacing uh, mm-hmm. restraints. So we can we, so we do two seatings at five thirty eight o'clock clock of six people each. So you do twelve people a night, and we do that three nights a week. So that actually works out quite well for us. Yeah. Um, and so at the moment, we're just we're going to stay right here. Yeah. Until I, pro- told that we have to change. I mean, I have this prediction that when things start to turn around, it sounds like they're we're like at the the beginning of things starting to turn around. Mm-hmm. I feel like fine dining is going to be the, 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 the operations that come back because those are the people that have the money yeah. that want to, at whatever cost get back to some sense of normalcy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm guessing that I hope that you're set up for success early on because you're going to have those people that just want to get back out again, but want to do it in a more controlled, smaller space. Yeah. And, could you make this into a private a private event space? And if that's the case, are you limited by those six feet distancing? Like currently, yeah, okay. we, we are. But even with that, it's like you know, I really enjoy what we're doing. Even with the you know the slightly limited um, seating, I still really enjoy you know like w- what we're doing. And um, you know, I think that we are really set up. And each thing that we've done, whether it's the takeout or deciding to reopen for you know indoor dining, is that we've taken we've let the industry start that and then the, we watch it yeah and we watch to see what the industry industry is going to do we watch to see basically like, let other people make mistakes first and let them have successes and then then jump in I love so it. that we don't make the same mistake or we don't make we, I, you never want to be the first guy to make the mistake you yeah know? I love so it. rather wait and let it kind of filter out a little bit and then come in with the model that works for us and right now this works very well for us i love it man i love this conversation i wrap up every chat by asking my guests what's um, the, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. So how have you transformed? Who is the Evan Hennessy today versus the Evan Hennessy back when you're just getting started? I'm such a different person. You know, I really am. I, I think you know, we talked about vulnerability and that being able to open yourself up and understand yourself and be vulnerable yeah. is such a huge thing. To be brave and not be afraid to is yeah. such a big thing. That's huge, man. And I, you know, that's that's striking home right now for me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, so I, I'm sure it's striking home for a lot of people listening to this right now. So I thank you so. so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're gonna take one more quick break, and we'll be back to bust a, a true speed round. Head over to toasttab.com/unstoppable to find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended POS on the show by a landslide. So there's. There's a bunch of reasons why Toast is being recommended on the show, but I'm finding the most common reason is because of their customer support. And now, while I don't think you'll need their customer support all the time, it when that Friday night rolls around and there is a question you have and you're busy, you're going to wish you were able to get right into that customer support and they will be there for you. Uh, the other reason why Toast is always being recommended on the show is because of how many other platforms integrate with Toast. So you can literally marry all the technologies in your company together. They'll, they'll work together. They integrate together and you can turn on these additional features as you need them. It's like flipping a switch. It's that easy. So that's why I love toast. That's why my guests love toast. And again, if you want to learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, I'll send you a check for a thousand dollars when you become a customer. So we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it's factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Openness. 
What is your biggest weakness? Openness. <laughs> uh-huh. How is that both a strength and a weakness? It comes up a lot, but I'm curious here. I, because you allow yourself to um, succeed and fail equally. I love it. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? You're kind of a small team right now. No, it's very true. Yeah, well, yeah. What is something that that um, actually that was that I think? What What is your favorite restaurant and why? Mm, what are you looking for? I want to know what level of hospitality that they're used to. Okay, it's it's got nothing to do with cooking. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? Biggest challenge today, um, COVID aside, I think is is just maintaining the balance of uh, positive work and financial here and uh, uh, family balance. I love it. Uh, how are you overcoming that challenge? I am being very aware and, and um, I'm being very aware of it all the time. It's an open conversation always. Yeah. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a, a core value, a way to be. Um, it, f- failure is totally fine. If you're wrong, you're wrong. I'd yeah. rather have you ask me a million questions and get it right than none and get it wrong. Awesome. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your restaurant, mm-hmm. but not common throughout the industry to go above and beyond. I think we, we want to create connections with, with our guests yeah. that sometimes, you know, people are, you know, taught to serve and to cook, but not to create the connection. And we want to close the gap. We want to, we want to be a part of that. Whole okay. Thing. What are some of the tricks of the trade to connect with your guests? Um, not be afraid to talk with them. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is like, <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you've got to start poking fun at people. I make fun of myself first, and yeah. then I start making fun of the guest. So that <laughs> That's it, fun. It's natural. It's, it's natural. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a conversation, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like another hint that we can't, I mean, yeah, everything you just said, but also put yourself out there. Yeah. Your kids' drawings right. are on the wall. Your your whiteboard is, you know, behind the whiteboard you'd see in someone's office. Yeah. yeah. It is right behind it's all. The there's table. a lot of, I guess you said, you know, like... Yeah, it's, all, it's all out here. Yeah. You know, there's a thousand and one different conversation starters exactly. out here, you know, from yeah. how your goals for 2020 going, you know, yeah. to, Hey, which kids are just this? And I think it comes back to vulnerability yeah. again, being yourself. I love it. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? The first time you mentioned Danny Meyer sitting at the table. I still think that that that's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, I'm reading, um, a book now it's called on trails. And I'm only a part of the way through it, so I don't have the full dissertation on it. But it's something that literally has nothing to do with restaurants. It has to do with trail building from, like, the dawn of time going back into fossils and how we got here. And the whole um, association with that is that when you are creating a restaurant and a business, you're creating a trail. You're creating a path. And that um, whether it's wide or it's small, but you are, in essence, creating that that trail. I love it, man. Um, what was the name of that one more time? On Trails. On Trail. Who's the author? Oh, don't worry about it. We'll yeah, find they, it. Uh, <laughs> uh, name one service you've hired or outsourced to. So this is typically like an extension of your team, like a, like a company that does something really well that you outsource to kind of round off your, your services. Maybe it's uh, the, the idea behind this question is to help good people connect with good people. So it could be marketing. It could be PR. It could be, um, and I know you don't do a lot of that. Yeah, no, no, we, we don't. I mean, uh, we use, um, uh, Squarespace for our website okay. has always been has been a really easy thing for us to work with. There is a technology question coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> but there is there, there's no like you mean I know you have your brother for your accountant. Yeah. Is, do you not outsource anybody? Like what about linens or anything like that? We we do yeah we 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 do outsource linens. We use uh, General Linen. Okay. Uh, company out, around from here. Um, is there a company like that that you would have uh, mentioned if I didn't queue you up first? I was trying to think. I mean, other than that, it's like 
you know, we have different companies do different things. I mean, we, we have a, we have a linen company, you know, the company that can bring us, you know, dry goods. So we have native Maine that brings us a lot of our dry goods and such. Um, other than that, we work with, you know, we've got a lot of farms bringing us our dairy yeah. and, you know, a lot of those. What's things. one farm? Brook, that, that Brook, Brookford farm. that needs a little bit more attention. Yeah, I don't think need more attention, but I was like pointing <laughs> out is uh, is Brookford Farm. Brookford Farm, yeah, out of Canterbury, New Hampshire. All right, beautiful. Well, that's a great shout out right there. Mm-hmm. And what's one technology you're leveraging right now uh, to make your your business a little bit more uh, seamless? There, yeah, definitely. I mean, so Open Table is our is our online um, reservation platform. Squarespace is our website. Okay, and then other than that, we use. Um, Facebook and Instagram for our social media. And did you say Square POS or is that Squarespace? Squarespace. Okay. Yep. And that's how you do all of your transactions. Yeah, it's all through it's all through Square. So you don't even have a POS. We we use an iPad. Okay. Nice. Yeah, other than that, like we don't have tickets or anything like that. I mean, it's all done by memorization. That's cool. And how are you collecting the payment with your iPad? It's all so Square. Okay. Also at Square. Gotcha. Yep. Cool. Awesome. And um, this is the last question. It's a doozy. So get ready for it. Okay. Uh, if you were leaving this world tomorrow, all the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Wow. Yeah. That, is, that is a good one. I know. <laughs> I love watching people square. <laughs> I think it's, it's kind of hard to figure out like exactly, you know, it's such a, a right now. Yeah. Um, do or die. I mean, just from this conversation, um, be yourself. Be yeah. I, I, I think be vulnerable. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to be brave. Yeah. I, I think it is a huge thing. One is one. Um, people always say is like, when you, when you look back on your life, you know, what, what do you want to see? And the way that I've always described it is that I've wanted to see, I wanted to turn around and not see a path with a, with a bunch of footprints in it. Yeah. People following me. I want to see a crater. Yes. And then I want to see houses built around it. That's awesome, man. That's two. What's the third one? Two for two. Let's go for three for three. Um, I think it goes by, I mean, something that you've heard a thousand times is, is pay it forward. Yes. You know, when somebody do, does something really nice and beneficial for you, turn around and, and help somebody and else And that's the, the nature of this podcast and this yeah. platform is to give people a platform to pay it forward, to yeah. share with the next generation of leaders. And you've done that for us twice now thank you so much for coming back <laughs> definitely man thank you so, so much again, for having me be on. brave create a creator yeah. <laughs> and uh, pay it forward yeah man. i love this so we wrap up yeah. every chat by calling somebody out who's one person run one restaurant tour chef owner ideally restaurant tour uh that you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you've made for us today i wish you could go if you could go international i would love for you to talk with matt orlando i think that he he's over in nomad he no, he's got his own place in Copenhagen called uh, called Amass. Amass. Yeah. If hey man, if you make the introduction, I will get a plane ticket as get soon as I'm able to. Out there. <laughs> um, I think he's good. Somebody you would really, I think, enjoy talking to is um, Jake Rojas. Okay. Yeah, did you know him at all? Jake Rojas. I'm pretty sure I know that name. Is he's is he's not out of um, Cabo, is he? No, no, no. no. He, no he's oh, down he's in, in Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Tuckeria, the tuck- yep. So yeah. many names in my. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Toulouse, Tucker, yeah. Toulouse, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Jake, look out. I'd love to get you back on the show, man. I'm coming after you. And your friend uh, was, uh, say it again for me, da- Daniel, David? Uh, oh, Matt? Matt. Matt Orlando. Orlando. Where yeah, Matt Orlando. Matt Orlando and Jake, look out, guys. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And uh, how can we connect with you? Maybe we want to come join your team. Maybe we want to stage. Maybe we just want to come in and experience uh, getting to know you. Yeah, bit. man. If you, if you want to get in touch with us, I mean, obviously reservations are great. But if you want to give a chat, I'm always up for going back and forth. I mean, you can find me on Instagram is always a good way. What's your uh, handle? Uh, at Evan Hennessy. Uh, my whole name, all one word. 
Um, my email, I'll give you give you that that, that yeah. guy is uh, Evan at stages dash dining. Uh, right. Definitely shoot me a note and we'll chat back and forth. But um, I always like to have conversations yeah. and, and do what I can and do. And I'm not sure what episode number this is going to be, but make sure you guys stick around for the closing thoughts. We'll be sure to share the episode number there. And I just can't say thank you enough, Chef. Uh, it's a pleasure to reconnect with you. And, yeah, man. Great conversation. Uh, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable Chef. Evan Hennessy, brother, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, great job today. Great conversation. Uh, always an, uh, a privilege to make an example of you. What I love from today's chat, uh, what we pull from the story today is, you know, there's a lot that could have gone in, in Chef Hennessy's way early in his career, uh, you know, with li- the liabilities of having a family, being responsible for other lives. And we let all these things be excuses for building and growing on our career. And we have to sacrifice a little bit, right? Time away from our kids uh, every once in a while to 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 invest in ourselves to get these experiences, this knowledge, this, this story we can tell that's part of our brand. These are all assets. We need to go out and get those assets and you need to be really intentional with your time and balance your time and plan and strategize. And I think that, um, chef and Evan Tennessee's come up is very, uh, it's, it's a great example of that for sure. And I really loved this idea of bravery and tying bravery to vulnerability and transparency. And we talk a lot about transparency and the, I mean, I feel like it's a hot word right now. Everybody needs to be more transparent, be more transparent, but it, it's hard to be transparent. And, you know, people just say that they are, but let, let's, let's be honest. How many people are actually truly transparent and it's because it's hard it's difficult you're vulnerable when you're transparent and it takes bravery to be transparent and uh, i think that was just a really cool connection and how he explained that and i love how his his business exists to serve him and i think that's one thing we get in trouble we 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 have this vision for a business and we try to execute it and we end up we end up existing to serve our businesses and we forget the job is to create something that serves us in our lives and our needs and our desires and i think chef Evan Hennessy really understands that it's really obvious in his story. And I just, it was a great to, to make an example of that for sure. So one last thing before I let you go, I want you guys to know that I'm going to be uh, not hosting a workshop this week because I'm taking a trip to Texas with my good friend, Chris. We're going to be driving down, making a stop in Nashville for a couple days. So if you're in Nashville and you want to connect, please let me know. And we're going to continue on to Texas to get the rest of the things I left behind when I moved back to the Northeast. So a little quiet, week, but uh, I'm still out there. I'm still responsive. Don't be afraid to reach out to me and um, come join the network. If you want to come hang out with me and my past guests and be a part of the conversation, join the conversation, literally be on the show, ask your questions, come join the network, head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.